Hi, my name is Jen. I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, and I'm here to tell you that your body can heal. I've healed eight different chronic and autoimmune conditions that had me bedridden sick with little hope for my future in my 20s. I've created this podcast to inspire you and give you the tools to heal your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your life. This podcast is for patients, practitioners, and people who want to listen from the place where spirit and science meet. As we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, thinks well, loves well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life to carry out our soul's work. I'm so glad you're here tuning in with us. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Inspire Health by Jen podcast. This week, I have a very special guest that I am all sorts of nerves and excited to introduce you to. This is Lisa Everett Anderson. She's a holistic clinical pharmacist and board certified clinical nutritionist, and she dispenses a different prescription. Lisa is the owner of O'Brien Pharmacy, a compounding pharmacy in Mission, Kansas, that works with people all over the country. And she's the author of Learning to Thrive in a Toxic World. She literally wrote a textbook, and I have it sitting right here on my desk next to me. It is amazing and incredible resource. It'll be linked in the show notes to pick up a copy. And I like to refer to Lisa as my fairy godmother of functional medicine. I don't know if you know that, <laughs> that I do that, Lisa, but you do now. No. <laughs> And I call her such a, like a loving name because she's opened my eyes to so many things that even when I was already practicing as a functional medicine nurse practitioner, she's really taken my hand and led me on a path that has been not only transformative for my health, my family's health, but all my clients. And I'll let Lisa introduce and say anything that she wants about herself, and then we will get into it. So Lisa, tell me about how you got started on this path. And in your book, you talk about it started with an environmental sciences high school class, Awakening Your Mind. Oh, it certainly did. Um, Dr. Penny Von Aachen um, taught this class. It was a pilot program from KU. And I went to a really small high school um, in DeSoto, Kansas, which is now, you know, being annexed into the megatropolis. But it was, I think there are 87 people in our graduating class. And she taught us that, uh, you know, about nuclear half-lives and, you know, um, all these um, environmental onslaughts and had us read a whole litany of books that Al Gore was was reading at the college level at Yale. So basically our class kind of mirrored that. And so um, one of the things I learned, and I barely knew we had a uterus, and, you know, <laughs> a, <laughs> you know, a uh, uh, let's see, I guess I was a junior in high school. I I didn't know things like endometriosis, endometri what? and fibroids for what? And that those were caused by DDT and chlordane, which now are banned, but um, 
we still use them surreptitiously. We, we manufacture them here. We, it, we send them to other countries. They spray their food with it. We import the food back. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have worse chemicals. We have atrazine. We have the chemicals that never go away, the PUFAs and those things. And mm-hmm. we have Roundup. So um, I began to think there was another way and entered college with that same um, I think underlying men- mentality that there had to be another way. I thought I was going to school. I spent a lot of time in medical school as well as uh, pharmacy school. And I, I felt like um, the handwriting was on the wall that physicians were not going to be the decision makers in what to prescribe and how to help you with your health, mm-hmm. um, that it was all pharmaceutical based. And this was back in the seventies. We, we saw this happening. And so there again, as um, we were located at the medical plaza here at St. Luke's for 44 years. And as we listened, pharmacy, right? Uh-huh. Our pharmacy was in that medical plaza for 44 years. And as we listened to people and kept our, our ear to the ground, so to speak, people didn't want to know a fancier way to take their medications um, this time with um, grapefruit juice or not grapefruit juice and food and an empty stomach and don't take it until your Tagamet's been, you know, mm-hmm. in your system for a, a couple hours. So and then, and as time went by, the drug, um, not only interactions, but the side effects and adverse events were being more and more brushed over by the medical community. Even when we call specialists and say, oh, um, you know, you don't want to take this seldane with the erythromycin, it's causing people in their thirties to die with a prolonged QR wave, which is not what you want to see on your EKG. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that, um, they'd say you need to stick to pharmacy and I'd say, but I am. So here's the deal. I will fill the antibiotic. I will not fill the cell and I will tell the patient of the dangers. I will tell them what you said, and I will offer them a safer over-the-counter antihistamine. Mm. That will not do this to them. And your father founded O'Brien. Yeah. Mr. O'Brien and my dad, Harry Everett, started O'Brien Pharmacy in 62. It was the first medical building pharmacy in the country. So it kind of made the news back then. And we didn't carry over the counter products except some, a few, like uh, we carried the only line at that time of hypoallergenic makeup. Mm. Um. And some things like that, but we didn't have the over-the-count, you know, the front end that you see in a typical drugstore. And we made, um, back when my dad graduated, um, one thing is mom-pop pharmacies had 95% of the prescription business. Today, we have less than 4%. And um, almost 80% of what a pharmacy dispensed was made in the pharmacy. Yeah. So they it wasn't these mass produced medicine for the masses that you create these markets and and then within 10 years 50% of all drugs approved by the FDA are pulled from the market because of post um clinical um or post um 
marketing adverse events and deaths. Your pharmacy is an incredible place. Like for those who are in the Kansas City area or want to travel, it is worth the trip. You walk in and you just feel something different. One, it looks nothing like CVS, Walgreens, Walmart. You walk in, there's a different energy. There's beautiful furniture. You can see the technicians in the lab, the pharmacists, they have clinical pharmacists who can talk to you and be at the knowledge of your practitioners about your body. They have natural remedies and homeopathy and supplements. I mean, your dad started it. And then you, Lisa, have your own journey with postpartum depression, chronic bronchitis, asthma, cancer. Like how did this happen for you to say, oh no, 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 we have to do things way different. And I'm calling all practitioners in this army with me. Well, um, yeah, the the postpartum depression, as it does in about 90% of cases, resolves into, um, can be pretty significant PMS, moderate to severe even PMS. Um, I didn't have severe postpartum depression, but I was definitely not myself. And I think that I got through that, but the PMS um, was every month. And for me, it was about two weeks of every month. Mm. Um, and I began at our pharmacy was already making progesterone suppositories for um, insufficient luteal phase or deficient luteal phase, which is when women will miscarry multiple times. They, they cannot hold the pregnancy because they have low progesterone. So there was a study going on at KU and a couple other places. And we were part of that study. We provided the progesterone to save pregnancies. In the meantime, in doing that, I began studying Katharina Dalton's work in, uh, she was an MD endocrinologist in Great Britain, who is the most published person on uh, premenstrual syndrome. And her colleague, um, her colleagues around the world, Dr. Green, et cetera. And I read every paper that had been published. And that meant going to the library because we did not have the internet. <laughs> no PubMed. <laughs> yeah, no PubMed um, in that way. And I would get um, these articles printed and, and study. And I thought, I and I tried the progesterone. I thought if this worked, I, I, I made a pact with God that, <laughs> you know, if this if this actually works, because I was still mostly conventionally trained, um, I will make sure that if I ever run into another woman with this problem, that I would share, give them the benefit of not only my medical knowledge, but my, my story. And Little did I know I'd start seeing 12 patients a day walking in with this, because yes. once you understand something, you begin to connect the dots. Yes. And, and you know how, when you have a condition that you're not familiar with, nobody around you is familiar with it or whatever, you think you're, you begin to think you're the only person that has this, mm-hmm. um, but no. And I began to lecture, to go to grand rounds. I really found that there were, there were, thank God, um, the psychiatry, the world of psychiatry was the most open to this. And they, uh, the guy who chaired the department of psychiatry at KU and then, um, 
he and his wife, who was a psychiatrist at St. Luke's, had me start seeing their patients for an hour. They actually rented an office space for me <laughs> to see their patients for an hour, and then they wow. would see them. Because the psych drugs don't really work in PMS, and it's a it's a progesterone deficiency, not a Prozac deficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now, as I as I got into more therapeutics and, um, and nutritional biochemistry, it's really a B6 and magnesium deficiency that, um, causes the serotonin and melatonin deficiencies. So we were putting people on vitamins. We were administering the progesterone and turning marriages around and saving lives. That was amazing. I think with stress, I'd never had any allergies, um, but I did start to get some kind of, retrospectively, it was probably more analogous to uh, reactive airway disease, but nonetheless, I was on inhalers three or four times a day. So through raising my vitamin C levels in my tissues, the lungs use the most vitamin C of any tissue in your body through raising, doing the vitamins for getting on the progesterone, all of that began to reverse. Mm. So the cancer came from, um, the, the, so (laughs) <laughs> the, the smallpox vaccines were pretty dirty. They, they had, um, they had mycotoxins in them mm-hmm. and, um, uh, mycobacterium in them. The, um, that as I don't know if it was on purpose, but what as contaminants from the military mm-hmm. and the, those kinds of things and Epstein-Barr, many viruses travel mm-hmm. through the central nervous system. So on the opposite side of wherever you got this um, shot, some people would get a, um, a squamous cell cancer on the opposite side of their nose. Mm. And, um, and I did, (laughs) and I never got a welt or anything from the smallpox vaccine because my mother nursed us and we got our antibodies from that. So I didn't need to react to that thing. Um, but, and then I, then sometimes it'll travel and recur on the ring finger of the same side of the hand. Wow. So, um, I took care of that myself. This, I had some most surgery for but on my nose, but, um, now I'm, uh, and, and I, they couldn't even necessarily get it all. I was nursing. So there was no way I was going to do chemotherapeutic yeah. agents or anything. Right. So I, um, I said, well, God, it's between you and me and we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> not make me a host for any kind of things yeah. like this. And, So I really dug deep, even though I started studying nutrition and chemistry in eighth grade, I really started digging deep into um, clinical nutrition, which is the opposite of what dietitians teach and dietetics, which are all industry funded and industry educated. Lisa, I remember, so it's for those who are listening, it was like three people in the same week that had said, you need to meet Lisa at O'Brien. And I had been really hesitant to, to bring on any new practitioners or just meet others because I'm like, I don't know how they think. I don't know what they feel. And 
And when we started talking about nutrition, I was like, oh my gosh, she gets it. And you saw that you're like, she gets it. And, and our relationship yeah. started and the conversation started to, to be a catalyst from there. And I had never seen a way for hormones to go well in a human body. Cause in nurse practitioner school, it's just like synthetics and birth control. And then I got into functional medicine. I'm like, everyone's having these weird side effects from like shots and pellets and different forms that your pharmacy doesn't go to for, for the number one solution. And you showed me a way to, to do this. And, but coming back to nutrition, I was mind blown. I was like, because you said it so many nutrition information and education is industry funded, but you somehow find your, found your way around that. And so did I, and here we are. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, I, um, then entered a CCN program and now I'm president of that organization. So we, we base our, our, our recommendations, our clinical nutrition and our dietary recommendations on our biochemistry. That doesn't change. It's not a fad. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that the most people have listened to the most carcinogenic body damaging diets out there as fads. They're all high protein. They're all, um, want you to have high ketones, um, the yep. paleo diet and Weston A. Price, you know, pushes and Sally Fallon, they push, push, push this meat and oh, clean bone broth. Well, bone broth from chickens, whether, and, and then they even made, they made broth out of the chicken breast and these were organic chickens was so high in lead. It was mind boggling. Um, and then arsenic as well. And other poisons came out of that, of those organic chickens because you can't get away from it. Yeah. So there, there, there's overspray with rains roundup and atrazine, it goes in their skin and their eyes and their lungs, and they're loaded with it. Um, It's a sad, sad thing. But even without that, a diet, you know, um, fish, eggs, chickens, meat uh, are high in methionine and choline. Mm -hmm. And those methionine is one of the biggest feeders and triggers for cancer there is mm-hmm. a high methionine diet. Vegans have a very low methionine diet. They have a very low incidence of cancer and of course, cardiovascular disease and depression and degenerative neurological depression, um, uh, diseases. So, um, and choline turns into TMAO, which is way more inflammatory than homocysteine ever thought of being mm-hmm. TMAO is trimethylamine oxidase that the bacteria of meat eaters produces in their gut and it damages the kidneys, the arteries. It damages so much of the body. Lisa, you said something not too long ago in one of our conversations, when I told you about a patient, I was like, I'm not at this journey, junction in our journey. They're not going to give up meat. What is the, the maximum amount I can tell them that would be acceptable. And you gave me, you said it was like three ounces, one to three times a week. Was that exactly what you said? That's what I remember. That is what I said. Now that the new information has come out about meat and fish, I just finished an article and put it on the book website that fish meat is still meat. And explained to you to, 
one of the things we have to understand is we're not carnivores. Neither are the cows, neither are the horses, neither are the elephants. They're not carnivores and they're very strong. And our strongest athletes, our strongest people who don't eat meat are the strongest. Vegans have the strongest tensile strength. My bodybuilders are uh, natural bodybuilders mm-hmm. and they're all vegan and they win competitions hands down. Mm-hmm. Um their liver and their cholesterol and everything looks so different on their blood work. Everything looks so different. So back to your question, I'm kind of at there's, it's so toxic. I'm kind of at, there's no acceptable level anymore, but if you're not going to give it up, then maybe three ounces once a week, let's put it this way. If you eat three ounces of chicken breast every day, you have 51 times. Mm-hmm. the risk of de- developing type two diabetes. Yes. It's so insulinogenic. Yes. So you just crank insulin and damage it. it there's so what they, it does also is inflame the um, insulin receptor sites. So you get insulin resistance mm-hmm. and then you develop the belly and the cardiovascular disease and the heart, the PCOS and the hormonal thing that goes with it. So why is then keto and, and carnivore and all these diets, like people are saying, oh, I've had success in, but my practitioner, my medical doctor, oh no, 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 they're functional medicine. Our people are being given this information, hoping that they're going to heal on this, on this way of eating and quote unquote, healing their body. Well, Dr. Greger said something that was kind of funny. He's an MD who has the largest company compilation of um, science based on diet, meat eating versus vegan. But he said, you're not gonna, he says, don't wait for your doctor to kick the habit. There was a day when doctors were paid and voluntarily um, advertised for cigarettes and smoked. And then once we fig- found out that they were carcinogenic and then the medical schools and everybody go, oh, no, no, don't smoke. And they were still hooked on it. Yeah. Uh, people want to defend their culture, their mm-hmm. food culture. That mm-hmm. truly is number one. Number two is the ignorance around the damage that it does. The meat and dairy and poultry councils, when you look up anything positive about those, you will see it was funded by those industries. Mm -hmm. And they are very powerful. um, And they're backed by the pharmaceutical companies, because they are the largest animals are the largest consumers of pharmaceutical drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, a cow takes pounds of, of, um, of um, pharmaceuticals, and we take a few milligrams. So it's it's a very much entwined and emotional thing, and it shouldn't be. It should just come down to the biochemistry. We give off, when we break the long proteins, the long chain amino acids of animal meat, we give off the three things that are causing us all to be in dialysis, which are um, purines, ammonia, and um, uric acid. Lisa, when I was on a keto high animal protein diet, my sweat at the gym smelled exactly like that. That's what I was going to, I was a pay, um, uh, 
Saturday, somebody told me about that, that they smelled like ammonia. Now they understood when they went, when they worked out and now they understood why, and they had gone off that diet because it was killing them cardiovascularly. Mm-hmm. And that's what the keto, you know, diet does. Our brains can't run on ketones. I mean, parts of it for short time. Yes. So fasting in the morning and burning some ketones from your own body fat. That's awesome. Yeah. But then you got to eat and bring on the groceries from about noon <laughs> until eight. Yeah. And if you honor that, that chronobiology of digestion and detoxification from four in the morning till noon, that is worth five to 12 pounds. And the average was seven pound weight loss by itself, mm-hmm. eating the same junk food. Is that crazy? It's makes so much sense. And just to simplify this, because Lisa is a wizard and so incredibly intelligent women, when you're listening to this, wondering what to do for your hormones, it's all of these pieces. It's your nutrition. It's the pharmaceuticals getting in your body through your mouth or what you're eating's mouth. And the way that the toxicity, the things that you're coming to contact with are making you feel like you're crazy with hormone imbalance. You're not crazy, but your body is telling you something. And when I met Lisa, I was like, okay, nurse practitioner school told me here are the kind of hormones you prescribe. I I knew that I didn't want to do that because my body had had its own reactions with hormonal birth control synthetics. And then in functional medicine, I heard about all these oral hormones or these pellets and, but I was hearing my own clients say, oh no, those really made me feel even worse. And then Lisa introduced me to this sacred third. So I would love to hear about what your pharmacy does with the bioidenticals that is different and how you got started understanding. You talked about the progesterone saving pregnancies. And now like women are thriving. The clients that we share, Lisa, they are my favorite people to work with because they get all of this together. And I know they're going to feel the best. And that honestly, selfishly makes me feel the best. Right. All right. Well, you know, um, uh, so Dr. Dalton back in England, you know, they, they did a better job of honoring what's called the pharmacodynamics of drugs, which is how, when, when we study, when you swallow a pill, you can calculate how much of it it's it. First of all, it's going to go straight to the liver, almost straight to the portal circulation to the liver, but how much of it is going to get to your big toenail and, and how long it's going to take to get there. And the study of that is pharmacodynamics or pharmacokinetics. And when it came to hormones, um, only at the best, the best, best, best situation, um, only 10% could get to the bloodstream of a whole dose. So that means 90%, if it's a hundred milligram capsule, 90 milligrams is going to be converted into lit in the liver, mm. as it turns out into dangerous and damaging drugs. It's or, uh, molecules. That's why women who swallow hormones, I don't care if they're birth control pills or what, um, have 32 times the risk of developing gallstones and they end up getting their gallbladders yanked. That is why that's where the carcinogens are made. That's where the blood clots come in. That's where the fat around the midsection comes in. When we avoid going through the liver, cause your ovaries do, they go straight to the bloodstream. Uh, if our ovaries do that, 
why can't we do that if we're going to administer these hormones? And it turns out we can. We can use a vaginal cream that maybe many of you use, or um, I'm not big on creams. They're kind of dirty. I, I like to put the hormones in A&D ointment, mm-hmm. um, which is very nourishing to the mucous membranes. Um, we do this and, a lot for women with lichen sclerosis and just any yes. other chlorohormonal imbalance with the AMD yes. vaginal dryness, um, the inability to orgasm, all of those things. And a certain amount of that will be absorbed, but you know, we're going through those tissues first. So it's great. So the suppositories work. The suppositories are, it's the same mucous membrane, whether you use them rectally or vaginally. So that's what they use in Europe. In fact, the 200 milligram progesterone suppositories over the counter, the 400 milligram ones require prescription. Well, Lisa had been on these for about seven (laughs) years, traveling around the country, lecturing, trying to remember to get the suppositories out of the refrigerator on the airplane to get with blah, 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 blah. I was sick <laughs> to of it. Yeah. And so I said, there's got to be a better way. And I began looking uh, in Remington's pharmaceutical sciences at various dosage forms. And I found out the French dosage forms, which include lozenges, include pastilles, which are little, those little pellety things and troches. Whoa. And in Germany, they were called trokens. So, whoa, whoa, what are these? Well, they are meant to sit up between your gum and cheek and impart medicine to the bloodstream. Those capillary beds are very close to the surface in the cheek and the gum. And we can put half the dose in a troche that we put in a suppository and get the same blood levels. And oral, so, right? Yeah. And it's a purse pack. It's a... Oh, it's a purse pack. And so um, I could carry them with me in my purse or have them by the bed. And I, I travel with mine all the time. It works so yeah. well. And the, and a, and a uh, peppermint, we use um, organic oil of peppermint. It does the best kind of working with the hormones. Um, and, and we can leave that out. We put stevia in for a sweetener. Um, and we can leave that out, but we're, we're not a pharmacy. So once that got going, pharmacies thought, oh, we're going to use tutti frutti and all these different things, but they're artificial flavoring. I don't want anything to do with that. It's enough to put these together in customized formulations without worrying about all that as particularly at the volume that we do this. So we, um, we do troches for the most part. We still do some suppositories. Mm-hmm. We do some creams and we do the A&D ointment, but we don't want to put a cream out topically on our skin. Our skin is a huge barrier for everything. And once again, when you're trying to get a bump and trying to get your progesterone to somewhere in the 20s and maybe in some cases for bipolar disease and other things, it needs to be closer to 30, which is the top of the reference range. With a capsule, you can only get to four. Mm -hmm. With a cream, you can get to two to four. I mean, usually it's around two to three. Mm -hmm. And so we're not we're not achieving a safe level and a good balance of these hormones, but the troche is the best we have now. Some people may be familiar with pellets, 
Um, I'm not a pellet fan. There was a time we looked at making them. In fact, we made a few. Um, I'm not a pellet fan because, well, one, we're not cows. We can, <laughs> we can be trusted with our own to have our own dosage forms in our hands. It yeah. cut the apron strings to the doctors. Pellets only got legs under them so doctors could make money selling the drug themselves mm. instead of referring to a pharmacy. And if you put that pellet in and in um, three months, and in the first three weeks, you are absolutely miserable in your dosing and everything. You have to go back to the doctor's office and get them removed. Right. Also, people got tired of the scar tissue that was forming around their bellies yeah. and wherever they were implanting the pellets. Um, you also can't make a pellet with enough progesterone um, in it to counter the estrogens um, or the, the dang thing would be as big as a suppository no or big as a troche mm -hmm. um so i um i it, well and at that point they would still need to be on a progesterone troche of some sort mm -hmm. so we might also put all the hormones in there you can put all the hormones in one troche and, and what i love about your pharmacy and you, and I talk to you and the other clinical pharmacists, I'll call with a formula that I'm like, Hey, here's this, this woman or this man's labs. And this is what I want to do. And you guys are so for the client. You're like, no, no, let's do it this way. And it'll be this much cheaper for that person. You didn't yeah. have to that. And, and you found the best way I it's so divine. And I'm so grateful for you every day, Lisa, because when I met you just to connect as professionals, my hormones, my labs looked perimenopausal at 30 years old and I don't have kids yet. And I want kids. And you asked me that and you were opening my eyes and my ears to this new way. And I can tell you many months later, I feel so good. <laughs> I have to say, I, I'm getting to look at you. We're recording this on zoom. You look amazing. You look like a different girl than even in um, our open house in October. I think that's the last time I saw you on face to face. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, 60 years we've been in business. I, um, uh, you, you look amazing. And I think the hormones and your new way of eating and taking nutrients that should be in your food, but they're not have done a fabulous job. I took a beautiful woman and just turned her into this, um, movie star looking <laughs> um, person. And I know those of you who are her patients, um, already know this, but for those of you who are not, um, let me just say she's gorgeous. Thank you. You, in your book, you talk about it, learning to thrive in a toxic world. You say it's a, that's a most enjoyable textbook you'll ever read guys. So pick it up. It's so good. Um, but you say you're like hormones. It's a Greek word. Hormo means to stir up, to set in motion. And I was fascinated. You're no stranger to energy healing and spiritual counseling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my physical body was missing a key energetic component. And as I started to put back in the physical, because the, the energetic and the, the diet, like those parts were there, but I was missing this part of me that's really set me alive. And I know there are so many women who are feeling like I don't even think we realize that we're living half alive. I wouldn't have, I would have told you I felt good because I remember where I was with autoimmune disease. So I was like, oh, well, I'm doing fine. Um, but what is happening 
with women's hormones and why do we not even realize how sick we are? I, you know, even docs that have been doing hormones for a while. I mean, we started the movement. We were the first pharmacy and started the movement across the country. Um, but they, and they think they know. Um, and my question for them is, is, and, and I did a whole lecture with um, titling the slides, the hormone slides out of movies. And one of them was, is this as good as it gets? Do you remember that movie with Diane? Um, Keaton and, um, um, oh gosh, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. as good as it gets. And is this as good as it gets? And they don't realize how much better they can feel. The hormones have a role though, that conventional medicine never talks about. And this was an insight I had, um, when I experienced what, um, I, I came to understand, I was told and work, had to go to actually a support group of psychiatrists and stuff, a, a kundalini rising. And then having that energy in my forties come up through me, you, you begin to have even more connection with all that is, and you begin to see things, um, with this third eye here where the pineal is and, and receiving divine information through the governing vessel, which is the, the top of your head, um, which is the seventh chakra. The hormones are what our glands receive these subtle energies from all around us. And they slow that energetic vibration down to a chemical vibration that we can see under the microscope called a hormone. And then that carries the energetic message to every cell in the body in under one second. Hmm. So in under a second, if you see a car wreck out in front of you in the time that you see that and you get the message to your foot to come off the accelerator and slam on the brake and the cortisol is going up and the adrenaline is going up. Even your thyroid is on alert now, your ovaries, if they can respond, if you still have them, all of those are ready to save your life. Mm -hmm. It's fight or flight. And these, um, and that, that information that came in traveled through the chakra system. And those are the big energy centers in the center of our bodies. And that, that, that word's the Sanskrit word. I wrote about this in the book, but there's a Jewish um, version of this chakra system. Um, One of my patients is a female rabbi and I was talking with this about her and she goes, Oh my God, Lisa, you're right. I've got to go look this up. And she sent me a whole paper on that version of it, but we can talk about them now. I think because we can measure them, (laughs) you know, we can measure those frequencies. So now it's not woo woo medicine, Yeah, (laughs) Um, but there are spiritual centers and they spin differently and they look different. For instance, the hypothalamus um, is the is uh, and the pineal is where um, melatonin comes out of us, and and it's also made in our guts. But that color, that chakra, vibrates with uh, the color purple, and so all the colors of the rainbows are what our our chakras look like. 
that that purple is also the same color that melatonin is mm. when you put it through light chromatography. Amazing. I did not know that. It's in my book. It is. I think it's just, I think I put it in the book anyway. Yeah, I did. It's, it's absolutely um, mind blowing how all of this is tied together. So it's not just about hot flashes and stuff. It is about functioning and compassion. Our female hormones made us the divine compassionate side of all of mankind mm-hmm. and the side that does not care for war and the, and the side of man that is nurturing and compassionate and Quan Yin is one of my guides and she's sometimes called the female Buddha, but everybody gives me Quan Yin statues and things. <laughs> and I, I have a collection of them. Like I just thought of you and you're like, how'd you know? <laughs> yeah. They, then they would say, Oh my gosh, I learned what Quan Yin is. And she put, she has a vessel and she's pouring out of it. And some people say different things, but when I was in, um, China, I learned that she was pouring out the tears of mankind of Mm. passion. I love in the book, when you say that talking about hormones being energetic, they're the psycho neuro immuno endocrinological connection, meaning they connect mind, body, and spirit. And one thing that I really want to remind women and men listening is that when you have a symptom, your body's not the problem. It's the messenger to show you something's out of alignment. Maybe it's that third eye. Maybe it's something in your sacral. Maybe it's something in that, in that whole mind, body, spirit connection, but our our medical system is set up to say, Oh, your body's a problem. Let's silence that when your body's inviting you to understand there's a disconnect. And there's so many ways to bring the body back into connection. Absolutely. I think it was Thomas Edison and I'm paraphrasing. um, He was one of many said the wise doctor of the future um, will use food as medicine, but not only that, treat the mind. The Mm -hmm. mind, if you listen to A Course in Miracles, the mind is where we break down and the body responds. The body's not in charge. We are in charge. Mm -hmm. And we've been focused, we've been taught to focus on this body. And like you said, silence it or control it or, you know, But at the same time, the counter message is, oh, ignore your body. You can eat anything you want. You can drink Mm -hmm. anything, every, do everything in moderation. Mm -hmm. You know, that is, that is, that's the kiss of early death. Mm -hmm. We've gone now, we've slipped another notch. We're now 48th in the world in terms of life expectancy. So our country leads the world in all chronic degenerative diseases. That's MS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's you name it, neuropathies. Um, We um, lead the world in cardiovascular disease, of course, cancer, obesity. We lead the world in in basically every illness that it is, that there is, or we'd be one of the top three long lives. So what that means is there's 47 other countries where every man, woman, and child will outlive any American. It also has come into light in the past three years that our, this is the first time that, that our children 
will not outlive us unless we make some changes, unless we teach them differently, until we keep quit shooting them up with the poisons that we call vaccines, and they're not vaccines anymore. That has to be cleaned up, and we can do homeopathic prophylaxis instead, like so many other countries do, and they that don't have do. an and that virus. That's that right. We can do that. And, and um, there's, there are other ways. There's got to be a better way than creating all the degenerative neuro neurology that's going on in our children. And we're, and we're killing our, their immune systems. Um, in that article I mentioned to you called In the Name of Science, I talk about a practice of a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. um, the more times this that children have been vaccinated, the sicker they are lifelong. And yeah. now statistics from all over um, have come out of the woodwork about that. So um, they're not our friends right now. There, there are other ways. Um, you know, I, I was giving a lecture Saturday and a, one person in there was a, a member of uh, used to be in healthcare administration. Mm -hmm. And he always told everyone, there's no money in healing and getting people well, the, the money is in the treatments. Yeah, They're, the desire is not to get us well. I know that sounds terrible. But the sooner we kind of face that fact, um, the sooner we can take charge of our health. And it does mean we have to take responsibility. And from so to, to not get us well, which your pharmacy is doing so many women, myself included, I was on the birth control pill for 10 years, offered an IUD. What is happening in our bodies with birth control and IUDs? Like what is happening to our hormones? And then how can the Trochas help us? Well, um, the first thing that's happening is, is in with 24 hours, your uh, own production of for with in the case of the pill, estrogen and progesterone go down to zero because it shuts down the production of FSH and LH in the pituitary. So that's what it was meant to do is shut that down. And then within a few weeks after that, the progest, uh, excuse me, the testosterone crashes as well. Mm -hmm. So now you're dependent upon your adrenal glands and your thyroid to hold you up like a postmenopausal woman. And mm -hmm. the, the hormones they give you are synthetic. Their actions in signaling your receptor sites in all every cell of your body are 180 degrees opposite of your own estrogen. Mm -hmm. For instance, your own estrogen gives you a skinny waistline, a tiny little bitty waistline like you see in the actors and actresses in the photographs of women in the 1950s. And O'Brien Pharmacy clients. <laughs> O'Brien Pharmacy clients. We have, I mean, I'm going to be 69 in a week. You look 44. Thank you. And I, um, I'm, I hear that all the time, but I've been vegetarian or vegan since high school. Yeah. But the other thing is I've been on bioidentical hormones and I have that small waistline. Yeah. Um, but birth control estrogen makes you fat. It shifts your, everything shifts your fat metabolism to the right. So you gain weight, your kidneys retain sodium and water. Whereas progesterone, your progesterone is a diuretic. It makes you get rid of excess sodium and water. If you got swollen before your periods every month, it's because you didn't have enough progesterone and that you was, would have peed that off. 
the first thing I noticed within like three days of taking progesterone, I was like, you, you told me like your rings are going to fit better. Your toes aren't going to be puffy. I was like, wow, you did. You lost a lot of puffiness in your face and your neck and, um, and everywhere, uh, everywhere you lost puffiness and, um, and then progesterone is what we make cortisol from and our own estrogen. Mm -hmm. So it's a great precursor hormone. So then these hormones and birth control pills and the synthetics that menopausal women are offered, they um, cause breast cancer. Our hormones prevent breast cancer. And I kind of go in the book, the last, half, the last part of the title of that book, um, it's learning to thrive in a toxic world and the impact of clinical endocrinology and bioidentical hormone replacement. The last part of the book goes from head to toe, all of your hormones from melatonin to everything and tells you what do these beautiful molecules do? And we're being taught to be afraid of these, but to embrace the poisonous hormones in the environment called Roundup, Atrazine, birth control pills, Primarin, Provera, mm -hmm. you name it. And then Lupron and all the things that they give to shut down your hormones and, um, and things to be that are hormone mimickers. So we're taught to embrace those and to be afraid. Oh my God, if you take estrogen, you're going to get breast cancer. No, you're going to prevent breast cancer. On my website is a 44 page article that a chiropractor wrote. Um, and she was a DES baby. Lindsay was a DES baby. So she's had breast cancer more times you can shake a stick at. Mm -hmm. And what made her stop getting breast cancer is, our, is bioidentical hormone replacement. I will put that in the show notes, that link. That link um, is to on my website. I got it for free. She charges a lot for it. And, and I don't blame her. It was a lot of work, but um, I have it. She gave it to me to give for free because I was the keynote speaker at that conference. And she um, she wrote this article as um, the estrogen vindicated. <laughs> so the, and it's about how other countries use our bioidentical hormones to treat and prevent breast cancer. These, God didn't give us these molecules so that we would self-destruct and get cancer at age 22 when they're like through the roof. Or how about when we're pregnant and your estrogen goes up to 3,500 when normally on day 21 of your cycle, you might get into the three or 400s, mm -hmm. uh, but it's only for a couple of days and the rest of the time you're in the 200s. So when you spend nine months and your estrogens, when they're all added together are 3,500 and the more times you've been pregnant, the least likely you are to get breast cancer. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? We need to, uh, we women and our men, because they're becoming more and more that way. The ones that are awake, we need to, we need to connect, I think with our intuition with this and, and think big picture. I did hormone replacement mimicking how God created us. And you said something to me when I asked this question early on learning from you, I was like, Lisa, some of my post breast cancer clients are like, really hormones you want me to. And you said, Jen, it's not, not these estrogens, the bioidenticals that are taking up the receptor sites and creating the cancer. It's the xenoestrogens, the toxic estrogens that, and so we want to crowd those out and bring in the good. 
We do. We want to fill the receptor sites with our hormones, which are one, sometimes one one thousandth or one ten thousandth the activity of atrazine and dioxin that you eat on your corn if it's not organic corn. Um, that's what we want to do is have our receptor sites full. So those things, and then have a strong detoxification plan that, so that we can get rid of them. In addition, we want to eat plant-based because a one inch cube of chicken has more of these pesticides and xenoestrogens and xenotestosterones and xeno everythings than 30 pounds of vegetables sprayed directly with it, never washed off. Mm -hmm. So it's just incredibly bioaccumulated in um, meat, uh, flesh foods. And I get it. Like eating eggs, the eggs are, uh, eggs are the most estrogenic damn thing you can put in your mouth. What's fascinating is when you clean out your body and get away from foods. And I get it. It's frustrating. I think intentionally, like God did give us animals to eat, but then man, we screwed that up. So we're paying the price, but when you get away and you clean out your body and then you try to have it again, your body's like, no way. I'm not, but like, you feel gross. You feel sick. You do. You feel sick when you, when you, when you say, oh, I'll just have one hamburger, you know, and you go, oh my God, why did I do that? Um, uh, your body d does reject it. It's not used to it now. And I don't think God ever intended us for us to eat the animals. I have to take issue with that because we're not carnivores. If we give ruminants, which are cows, grains, it kills them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been doing for all these years yeah. and making them sick. And they have a short healthy. lifespan. And we put yeah. them in those, we put them in those factory farm feedlots, right? We're doing that to ourselves. We're not carnivores. We are not carnivores. We make L-carnitine all day long, but please don't put your cat on a vegan diet. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, look, and look at their jaws and look at their teeth. And, you know, ours um, are, are, we don't have that. We don't, we're uh, no prime primates don't eat meat. Yeah. So we, um, we, honor this biochemistry and the way we were set up by not doing that mm -hmm. for the first 18 million years man were fruitarians didn't even eat much in the way of of greens or mm -hmm. grains they didn't eat grains they were fruitarians and because it was all down in mesopotamia it was all that, down and all down my body feels the best on fruit and just fruit like it's and when you're sick that's so the best thing to eat because they digest themselves so after that as we develop more frontal lobe and a bigger brain we um and and we're using more calories and needed more of different uh, diverse nutrients we started to eat the greenery so mm. that's the testosterone side of the plant yeah. the fruit is the feminine side okay. and the fruit yeah the fruit gives us the those and and to eat that makes you not a host for cancer so then and it, we've only been eating meat for the past 2 million years. Mm -hmm. So then we went to grains between that. And that's when we started needing fat soluble vitamins, the vitamin E, all of those are in the grains. So more, and we also domesticated um, corn, 
And corn is rich in vitamin A and all of that for our eyesight, um, et cetera. So, and our immune system. So there was a reason we got our D from the sun and we were bare skinned in the sun. And so we did pick up, you can't, people say, I'll just get it from the sun. And they're out there in clothing. Clothered with sunscreen too. <laughs> well, not even that, but even just clothing, you have to have bare, mm -hmm. bare skin. And if it's your face, it's going to look pretty ancient before long here. And mm -hmm. uh, so we do need to supplement with vitamin D and, and, and everyone, people say, oh, what about your B12? Well, I don't have a single heavy carnivore and none of my NFL players that used to eat meat. Mm -hmm. um, they, none of them had decent B12 levels. It didn't matter how much they oh. ate their B12 exactly. levels in tank. So we all need B12 supplementation. It's not our bacteria aren't making it. We're killing our bacteria with chlorinated, fluorinated crap to water that has a lot of drugs in it that pharmacists now have a handbook of the prescription drugs that are in the city drinking water. So it's bad. Crazy. So those days of drinking tap water are over. We're done. So those are kind of. So for the women headliners. <laughs> I want to come to O'Brien. I want, I want my hormones. I want to feel like a movie star. Who is a candidate for the bioidenticals? I know I have a 16 year old who takes progesterone and it changes as you're in, in pre peri and post menopause, what you take. Is there anyone who are like this? These are the women who need it most in men. And then these are the women or men who should definitely steer away or at this time from hormone replacement. You know, I don't know of a candidate that couldn't take hormones because they're innate in us and they're meant to be there and they make us wound heal. They make us healthy. They make us strong. They clear out our cart, our arteries, um, of plaque and all of that. But the key, as you well know, is to customize which hormones they're on, the ratios they're on, um, to fit their current situation. So, um, there might be some women that have just had a pretty aggressive type of breast cancer, and I would want to block her uh, estrogen receptor sites with estriol mm -hmm. and then use the progesterone and the DHEA and the testosterone, all of which have been shown to help prevent reoccurrences or from getting breast cancer in the first place. And that way she has the wherewithal mentally and physically and energetically to take on this new life mm -hmm. of having beat cancer or to fight it because now she's looking at undergoing some treatments mm -hmm. to overcome it. Hormones give us the will to live. They yeah, give us that so that we can find our purpose. Mm -hmm. We don't have any wherewithal and energy to find our purpose. Just ask any menopausal woman how we just kind of step back and go, huh. And we're going into menopause. Women are going to menopause in their thirties. Yeah. Their thirties or forties. Um, mm -hmm. and there's premature ovarian failure at, at the magic age. There is 37. Um, so I, I, I think everybody is a candidate in some way, mm -hmm. but uh, again, individual, it's the way we are the most different. You and I, and several of our listeners might be able to take the same dose of the same 
oh, antibiotic or even a set of herbs that I might offer for uh, strep throat. Mm-hmm. But what hormones I need and each one of our listeners and you need and um, are, are very different because it is the way the mind and the soul are connected to the physical plane. Yes. Hormones connect the mind and the soul to the physical plane as they leave us and they're leaving us prematurely now. That's why we're having to do it. But if, as they leave us, cortisol is the only hormone that goes up with age mm-hmm. and cortisol breaks down the body. Mm-hmm. So the other hormones um, counter the cortisol, they're anabotic, anabolic, muscle building, arterial building, eyesight building, hair building, saliva building, juice building, happy molecules. Um, so when they go away, we're preparing to leave this plane of consciousness and pull out through the crown chakra. Mm -hmm. So we're preparing to leave. We've hit our peak and it's the metamorphosis. So you say, well, isn't that natural? No, it wasn't natural to be dying at the ages we're dying and to be dying younger and younger and younger and younger. We were, we were meant to live to a hundred or 140 years of age. And there are some groups of folks that are doing that, which is how that pyramid was based. That's in my book that people haven't seen because it was never published. Mm-hmm. Also for practitioners that might hear this sometime, this is the first time the hormonal cascade has been accurately published. There is nothing in any textbook that you find or any of the handouts in medical school or the school of pharmacy that were accurate. They all had mistakes on them. Mm, so good. And it's, I love what you said about really everyone, their hormones already exist in our body. So we're, we're complementing the natural body and even with breast cancer and even with men, I've, you've helped me with some men who have been on some anabolics switch to a form of testosterone. That's not going to be pouring through their liver, creating metabolites, creating right. things they don't want. And, and these guys are like, yeah, I still have my muscle. I'm still feeling good. And they're really excited for other men younger men. I know we've talked about my fiance. You say that you typically like to wait a little bit or try to do the intensive nutraceutical therapy, nutrition. And then when they're past wanting to have children, sometimes you'll bring in some testosterone. I know my dad, I talk a lot about my dad on the show, his seemingly Parkinson's dementia. We got him on testosterone and DHEA. And I mean, he was walking again. He was like remembering things. Absolutely. And I have other therapies now for him that I had mentioned before we went on the air, but um, this is absolutely amazing. Um, the, the turnaround in people um, is it gives them their lives back, you know, their, their um, energy to play with their grandkids and mm-hmm. pick them up and take them to Disneyland or what you know, whatever it is, um, the, well, for men, I do, I do like to get them to produce their own if I can. And I was going to tell you that one of my NFL players, um, when I first got him, they were concerned about having kids but his testosterone was only in the two hundreds. And there've been several that I had to write to the NFL and get permission 
to replace their testosterone only at physiologic levels. We don't go outside of that and just get it into the no, low normal range. Well, what happened is um, it's phenomenal, but the best ones are the ones now that were in the 200s and now they're in the eight and 900s because we worked on it and I got their bodies to do it themselves. I got them off the poisons. They don't eat meat anymore or dairy or eggs. They feed them terrible. My fiance works for an NFL team and he tells me what he sees these guys eating and what they feed them on the planes. And I'm like, what? These are like your, you need these guys to be at their best and that's what you're giving them. I would recommend that you watch the video that came out last week with Dr. Gregor on nutritionfacts.org. And it's called the barley men. And it's compared the glad with the gladiators in Romate to our current day gladiators that can run 150 miles. Oh, yeah. And they did carbon isotopes and like that. You can tell what they were eating. They had more strontium in their bones. They had it's, but they were all of Italy was vegan back then. Mm -hmm. They ate a primarily plant-based diet. So they didn't eat meat. They fed them barley, beans, veggies, and lots of fruit and olives, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Think of the tomatoes and all those things that um, we think of Italian food, but it wasn't the Genoa salami or any of that stuff. No. Well, as we're giving bioidenticals the pedestal place they deserve, Let's talk about when women, mostly women who start them, whether it's a progesterone or a combo troche, and they are like, oh my gosh, now I'm feeling anxious or depressed. Or like, I thought I was instantly going to feel like a movie star knowing hormones are energetic. What's happening? So they're undergoing transformation. Um, when our hormones fall at the end of the month, we feel that too, um, Sometimes we only gave them enough hormones to feel PMSy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're there, but they're then. not they're not high enough. Or we might have given them out of balance, and you'd say, "Well, can we do a blood test and just tell?" And no, you can do a blood test absolutely, and it and it does give us some good information. But mm-hmm. we don't treat a blood test test; we treat the whole patient. Now, if mm-hmm. I were stumped and you're stumped and we can't figure out why they're feeling kind of funky and it's been four months on the hormones, we might do a blood test and take a look and that might tell us, well, that's why for whatever you're doing with your progesterone, it's leaving your bloodstream really fast. So you don't have your estrogen balanced with enough progesterone or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and you'll see this in women that are highly stressed. Um, Their progesterone is going to cortisol. Yes. So they're highly stressed. So what, what do we do about that? Well, one is we start giving more progesterone, which will actually lower the cortisol because they won't feel the stress. The, their number one stress busters are not cortisol. It's estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA. And cortisol and adrenaline are our last ditch things or when we're in acute stress. But chronic, I talk about in the book, chronic high cortisol um, is what makes us feel poorly and look poorly and gain weight and not sleep and all of those things. But, But in a holistic approach, what we do is sometimes I'll recommend just on Netflix, um, there's a Tibetan monk that put out something called Headspace. 
mm-hmm. um, meditations. And um, I just, it's meditation for Westerners. So if you've never <laughs> meditated, you're going to love this guy. Um, but there's little five minute meditations and you feel like a million bucks when you're done with that. And next thing you know, you're meditating, you know, it's guided, but you're meditating for 17 minutes mm-hmm. and then you'll start, there'll be silence and you're, and you're kind of learning to watch your thoughts past and go past and not say, and don't try to stop your thoughts and don't judge what goes on. Just be still. And what does that do? It brings the cortisol down. It makes your progesterone more available for every cell in the body. Even your, you can't even get your thyroid into your cells, mitochondria without progesterone escorting it there. It it escorts it across the mitochondrial membrane. So it allows the progesterone to do all these things in addition to being a stress buster. So this is uh, in a holistic approach. We say, okay, what else is going on? Oh, she's not on enough. Her, her vitamin, her nutrient or mineral density isn't high enough to properly metabolize, pick up, utilize and transform and convert these hormones into all the things that your body knows how to do. Mm-hmm. And so we make sure we fill that bucket. Mm-hmm. And then as you read the book in the first four chapters, you realize how significantly what you eat changes what your hormones look like, what they're able to do, how much you can produce. Um, because even without the pesticides and herbicides in these animal foods, the hormones of the testosterone, the estrogens, all of that that's in the meat of even a chicken are much stronger than ours. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're overstimulating us to be fat and to um, they don't have the same signaling effect mm-hmm. because they're for them they're, they're species specific just like the milk is species specific. Yes, it's only for the baby of that species. And once you lose the enzyme system at triple the birth weight in most mammals, or age three in America, you wean. And that enzyme system never could break down cow's milk. Cow's milk is the opposite composition of our milk. So our enzymes are specific for human milk and even more specific for your own mother's milk. But you could survive if I um, lost my ability to feed my child and you were breastfeeding and were kind enough to feed my child, my child would thrive on your breast milk but it will not thrive. And that was the problem in the 1800s when they had to use cow's milk or horse milk to feed a starving baby. Those babies died. Um, They had like an 80% death rate because they all died of ear infections. And like you said, the cow's milk, you can survive on it, but you won't thrive. Your hormones will not feel at their best Dairy no, bottle. that's for us too. Right. So we have to wean ourselves and be adults and, and <laughs> not listen to industry. Don't trust industry. Correct. They're, not, they're not there to help us. Uh, they're there we, to help their, their um, shareholders. You are an incredible wealth of knowledge. And I am so grateful. I've learned so much. I know everyone listening is like their mind is blown. And for the women and some men listening today who know they can feel better and they just have no idea where to begin, but their body is like, oh my gosh, yes. With everything you're saying, or maybe that's for me or something, they're feeling that energy. 
alchemy, alchemy in their body right now as you're speaking, how can you tell them to begin? Where do they start and what small baby steps can they take to become alive again? So the first thing is seriously to come from love about everything, about your body, about your life. And yes, maybe things aren't exactly perfect, but to come from love and think about making these changes in love. And if you talk to other people about the problems of our society or medical things, come from love um, because it opens the pathways for everything that needs to happen for you. And it raises the vibration of all of us and everyone on the planet. The second thing is, is they could call and make an appointment with you or with me or someone at my pharmacy to um, work uh, with them um, or someone like my husband to get to take a history. And sometimes it's appropriate to look at blood work. And sometimes if you're in menopause, it's just going to come back a bunch of zeros in the hormone. <laughs> so we don't need that. Um, it's a waste of your money and your insurance money. Um, but we gather our information and discuss it with you. And together we come up with a game plan of where to start. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of sit back and watch and, and, what if whether you're seeing someone like my husband or Jen or myself, we come from again this holistic approach. I've never ever ever done hormones in a vacuum, never. Um, and I because I want you to get the best out of them. I want you to take the appropriate dose and not a dose that's elevated or something because your the rest of your chemistry isn't working because you don't have enough vitamin C and magnesium and manganese and vitamin A and D and B's on board. So we want to take this truly as um, a, you know a more holistic approach. And, um, and then we like to talk about instilling some um, things like yoga or exercise or Pilates and meditation and uh, some of these other lifestyle changes in that. And then once we get it kind of figured out that this would be a great place to start, we just fill a prescription and you start on them. And then we do follow up and we see how you're doing. And, you know, it's interesting. It takes about three months to settle into hormones, but we're not going to let you suffer through that. If there's something that's untoward for you, you know, that's, um, um, that can be dealt with, but one big mistake that practitioners make is they change the hormones too quickly and too often. And it sends all these mixed messages to the body. So we get that. And then, and then it, at some point we draw labs again, and it needs to be six hours after your troche. Mm-hmm. And we take a look like you think you feel great, but do you look good on paper? Yeah. And to me, that's just being a responsible practitioner and following up for 90 years. Uh, OBs and other people prescribed hormones. They never did a single lab. Because oh, you don't know what sometimes what those estrogens are doing once you get them going. Right. And it changes um, as you clean up your diet and everything. And we're dynamic individuals. Um, your hormone needs and requirements um, morph a bit over time. 
Mm -hmm. So we want to be there to do that. And we don't have to micromanage, you know, um, but we need to, I think we should be vigilant. Yeah. This is beautiful. I want to mention that your husband is a medical doctor and the army of love that you've created yourself as a pharmacist. And then your husband as a medical doctor, your training nurse practitioners like myself, you have your clinical holistic pharmacist on staff. People can call when they're taking hormones. Like I have a question. You are changing the world, your book. And I literally, you are a unicorn. You are the fairy godmother of functional medicine. And I'm so grateful for your time today, Lisa. Thank you for the opportunity to share. And um, I feel honored that you asked me to come and spend time with you today. Yeah, I will put Lisa's O'BrienRx.com. That's the pharmacy website. I will put your book website in the links and the show notes and all the other, the references that we mentioned. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And I'd like to wish all the listeners um, optimal health, and lifetimes of joy um, from now and always. And take care of yourselves. We send you love. Send you love. How was that? Oh my goodness. Lisa just left the Zoom room. <laughs> like the mind blown emoji. She is wonderful. And I I encourage you to listen to this show twice because there's so much information. And when, when she, I just like want to hear her talk and I was like, so you've got to come on the show. We're always already talking about doing another one, but our message for women and men today is you don't have to feel the way you feel. Your hormones are a big piece of that. And you can lead with love with yourself, find a practitioner who's going to lead you with love and remember that your body can heal. Ladies, you are the only person who will ever fully understand and know your body. You are the only person who knows what's best for your body. Your doctor isn't designed to be your body's authority. And your medical team is actually just a group of experts to help teach you about your body so that you can make informed decisions. Consider them like library books on your bookshelf. The word doctor in Latin literally means teacher. Nowhere does it ever translate to your body's authority. In this I Am Woman program I'm inviting you to, I'm stepping into teacher and out of authority so that you can take the reins and know what is best for your body. Because it's time. Women, we have been managed by authorities for far too long and it's time we step into our power over our own bodies. So close your eyes and feel into the following possibilities. Reclaiming your female power and divine creativity. Exploring your pelvic bowl and somatic dance. Learning to feel and understand the energetics behind hormone balance. Learning how to understand the hormonal cycle for pre, peri, and postmenopausal women to optimize the body's work, mood, and play. Learning to live accordingly to our hormones so that we don't feel like a loose cannon at all times. And hallelujah, learning to get our libido back. Learning how to heal cycles, naturally using food, minerals, vitamins, nervous system tools like adaptogens, infrared, and somatic practices. We're gonna learn how to conceive or not to conceive. We're gonna learn how to read our own hormone blood work, Dutch test, and near and dear to my heart, we're going to learn how to heal HHV, HPV, and other STIs without the stigma. This program is going to provide an opportunity for bioidentical hormone replacement therapy through trochee administration and not pills, pellets, shots, creams, and potions that stress the liver and wreak havoc in the gut. 
And lastly, this program, the I Am Woman program I'm inviting you to is going to eliminate high cost of individual work with a practitioner while maintaining the same quality of care. And bonus, you can develop a community of women who share similar values for body, mind, and spirit. During the six weeks together, we're gonna uncover a divine feminine energy that is this life force begging to be released and lead into lead us into our health, wealth, and happiness. And of course, there will be energy healing. So I'm inviting you to this I Am One program that begins March 6th. And those who sign up for the earlier bird special will get my symptomless functional medicine course and or my energy healing medicine course for free. So this six week container will have six 90 minute sessions with me. You're gonna have your own Dutch test, hormone lab panels, guest speakers, fertility guide, cycle syncing guide, and moon wisdom guide for all women of every part of pre, peri, post-menopause. An added bonus we got really excited about is a group boxer chat during the six weeks. So you'll have me on your cell and can ask me any questions at any time. And then you will have the I Am Woman course where all of this is recorded and this information is kept sacred lifelong. So question, Jen, if I've been a client or have done testing with you, can I still take this live course? Well, of course, there's no way that we've covered all the content we'll be learning in the subject area one-on-one, and you can select the with testing or without testing if you've had tests done previously in the last six months or sooner. So go ahead and scroll down to the podcast show notes, check out the link and join us for the I Am Women program.